opinions expressed on TCP Media are those of the content creators and should not be assumed to reflect product endorsements or the views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Welcome, uh, everyone, to It's Seven Up Time. This event is sponsored by the Mountain State Council of the Blind. We are the West Virginia affiliate of the American Council of the Blind. And we hold this event the second Monday of each month at 7 o'clock p.m. Thus, the name, it's 7 up time. So this evening, um, if while the presenter is talking, if you could remain if you could remain muted, sorry, my jaws is talking. <laughs> uh, if you could remain muted, that'd be great. And we will have questions or comments or whatever here in a little while. But before we actually introduce our speaker, our good friend, um, I do want to thank Marianne, who is our host. And I also want to thank Anthony, who is streaming us on ACB Media. So this evening, we are so honored to have Colby Garrison. Now that name probably sounds familiar to most of you and it should. Colby is, and I'm going to mess this up, but she'll correct me, I'm sure, is um, ACB membership services coordinator assistant or something like that, <laughs> administrative assistant. <clears throat> anyway, Colby in her free time in her outside of ACB life is an avid NASCAR fan. And Colby's going to kind of talk to us about it, uh, about her recent experience riding in a, a race car. Uh, if any of you listen to or watch the videos uh, that include that Colby was in, <laughs> I felt like I was right there in the car with her. Uh, so, Colby, thank you so much for joining us, and we'd love to hear from you. Hi, Donna. Hello, everyone. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. So, can you tell us, first of all, how in the world did you become a NASCAR fan? What what in the world got you to like NASCAR? I can remember growing up and just being around different family members in different situations and they would have the races on the radio. And I was just drawn to how the commentators describe everything that was going on. And I just, over the years, um, you know, kind of would listen when somebody would have it on. And then um, I remember in 2011, um, so I guess it would have been 2010, actually. I couldn't get the local radio station that was carrying the races, you know, that I knew of on terrestrial radio. And so in 2011, I got Sirius XM satellite radio and they have a NASCAR channel that is dedicated to NASCAR. And there are, they carry all the races and then there's also a lot of other shows that are on, you know, pretty much almost 24-7. Um, so they have people in the NASCAR industry who have shows and um, just talk shows. And it just, I, I just became hooked. Um, and then really, so really, really started following the sport very, very avidly in 2011 um, and have just 
been a huge fan ever since. Um, I got to <clears throat> sing the national anthem at a um, kind of one of the mid-level series NASCAR races at Charlotte Motor Speedway in 2013. And that was a dream come true. I won a contest. Um, it was their Charlotte Motor Speedway Superstar contest. And so you, you went and you auditioned and then people had to vote on your audition video. And um, I was fortunate enough to win that contest and got to sing uh, the national anthem, which is one of the most difficult songs to sing um, any and every time. There's always a, a weight uh, of gravity or a, a, a very... I always feel a, a very uh, deep sense of responsibility, um, whether I'm singing it for just, you know, a local event or something bigger like that NASCAR race. Um, and it was over the Memorial Day weekend. So that made it even more special. Um, and so that was my first time being at a racetrack, like being there. And I remember just realizing so many things that, you know, like puzzle pieces came together for me. Um, so terminology, I had heard the radio commentators describe. Um, some of that came together. The first thing I noticed when we got out of the car that day, um, I was with my parents and I stopped and I was listening and I could hear the cars going around the track. And I literally went, oh my gosh, they're going counterclockwise. And so that was that was something that jumped out at me right away. And I had heard people say, you know, oh, why do you like NASCAR? It's just cars turning left. But nobody had ever said to me, hey, Colby, do you realize that that means that the cars are going counterclockwise? You know, not even if you're watching on TV or if you're watching on the radio or listening on the radio, rather. Um, so that was something that, you know, even you say left. And I know what left is, obviously. Um, but that my realization of, oh, they're going counterclockwise, it kind of clicked everything into, you know, put it into perspective for me and, and just sort of made one of those puzzle pieces that was missing kind of fall into place. Um, and then in 2014, I went to my first race in where I got to attend from in the pits. And so I was just literally in the middle of everything that was going on. And I remember that day was particularly special because it rained. So it was pouring and the race was rained out, but I got to be in the garage. I got to touch all the cars. I got to meet several drivers. And then a, a highlight for me was going into the motor racing network trailer or hauler at the time they had a big like truck a uh, big giant trailer on wheels um and it was like a mobile production studio but it was i i, I remember the people i was with they were like you know do you want to go meet mrn and i'm like oh my gosh yes and i was really nervous and i walked in and i'm dripping wet all of us were and they 
started talking to me and I, you know, oh my gosh, hi, Dave Moody. Hi, Jeff Striegel. Hi, Alex. Hi, Joe. Hi, you know, Barney. Just, I mean, all these voices that I had heard. Hi, Winston. And they all, you know, were so nice. And I got to just thank them for being my access to the sport. And, you know, my day was made. <laughs> I didn't care, you know, if we didn't even get to see any any cars on track or anything the rest of the day. I had gotten to just tell them from the bottom of my heart how much I appreciate everything that they do to bring race the races to fans like myself who rely on the radio for the descriptions. And um I I didn't really think anything of it. And then I got an email um, a couple days later from one of the commentators. And he said, you have no idea what a breath of fresh air you are and how you just have touched all of us so deeply. You, You just breathe this breath of sunshine comes flying in and... Um, I'm so blessed to have continued those friendships um, to this day. And uh, so, but just being at the track really added, um, like I said, a whole new dimension to my experience. And just, it made me an even bigger fan, if that was (laughs) even possible. Um, And so it just, there's so much that your perspective, um, is increased exponentially, I think, by being at the racetrack and getting to smell the smells, the scents, and feel all of the different textures and experience a lot of that terminology that you hear, you know, people, the commentators talk about on the radio. Um, And so I go to races whenever I can. And um, I was contacted earlier this year, several months ago now, um, by a, an associate producer for NASCAR productions. And, um, they said, we'd like to do a story on you. All right. You know, would you be interested? And I said, well, sure. Um, you know, I (laughs) didn't really know kind of what their plan was or anything, but I was excited, you know, anything having to do with NASCAR is fine with me. So, um, I didn't think that uh, the, so Vivid is a four-part video series that they, um, that NASCAR Productions did. Um, And uh, episode one is where I, they interviewed me here at my house and I talk about um, just my life and being blind and uh, how I take in NASCAR on a, just a daily basis um, through social media and then particularly on race days through the radio broadcasts. Um, And then episode two, I got to be a pit crew member for a day. So I got to go to a race shop and participate in pit crew practice. And the coolest part of that experience was getting to be in the race car while they were doing pit stops. Um, And so that just put together everything about, you know, a pit stop. Because you hear on the radio, they talk about it. And they describe it's, you know, 10 seconds of just all this activity. But um, the tire carrier for the number three team, which is Austin Dillon's uh, team. And so the, the race shop was Richard Childress Racing. They, he explained everything to me. So Paul Swan is his name. And um, 
I said, you know, can you, can you break it down for someone who, who can't see what's going on? And so he literally walked me around the car and showed me all of the different parts and pieces and tools that were used and how every pit crew member is moving um, during the pit stops. And so that along with his very detailed explanation, along with getting to be in the car for the pit stop um, was just, again, made a lot of pieces fall into place for me um, and just deepened my understanding. Um, Episode three of Vivid (laughs) is where I get to do a ride along at Richmond Raceway with Jeff Burton, who was a driver in the 90s and early 2000s. And he's now a commentator for NBC Sports. And um, that was incredible. He was so nice. Um, Very, very just interested in my perspective and how I take in the sport Um, and was very good at, again, when you hear us talk about this, this is what this feels like. When we say this, this is what we're talking about. Um, So he showed me, I mean, everything from the wheels and the tires to uh, the different parts of the car. Um, so again, I had heard all these term, all these words and terminology, all this terminology, all of these concepts for years. Um, but having, being able to have that hands-on experience, um, was incredible and, uh, just helped again to deepen my understanding. Um, and then episode four of Vivid is where I'm again at the racetrack. I got to be in the booth with the radio broadcasters. So in the radio booth, broadcast booth with MRN, which is really high up. It's um, on the roof of the racetrack typically. And um, you also will see me in the pits um, with the pit uh, pit reporters for MRN. So got to spend some time with them while they called live pit stops, which was really cool. Um, and then just other places around the track. Um, so I, they had me inside the track at one point, and then we went outside to turn three, which is typically where one of the commentators um, for MRN is situated. So he's way off the ground. You have to climb up this very rickety, unstable scaffolding um, to get to him. They would not let me climb up. I was very willing and ready, uh, but I didn't get to do that. So, but got to uh, stand at the bottom of where he is positioned very, very high above me and uh, listen. And then they let me go inside um, where the fence is, where you're literally, I mean, on the other side of this fence is where the cars are racing. And that was, oh man, I got goosebumps. Um, I was just standing there and inside the track, um, you know, there's so much to feel and hear and smell. Um, but it's, it was a different perspective being outside of the track because everything sounded different and it felt different and it even smelled different. Um, but the, because of how close I was just standing there and having the rush of air as the cars go by you, it, at first I kind of thought that there was a, like a a breeze blowing, but it was delayed. So like the cars go roaring past you and then you feel this rush of air. Um, And it took me standing there for several laps to kind of get sort of understand that cadence of, you know, the roar of the cars go roaring by you. And then there's this just 
blast of wind um, and kind of get that pattern um, or a cadence, if you will. Um, so that is what Vivid um, ended up being. I never expected it to be um, as big as it has been. And um, it was just an honor to get to meet everybody that I got to meet in NASCAR and uh, to share my story and how I am such an avid fan of, uh, of the sport. Wow. <laughs> that's, that's wonderful. So at, at the racetrack, is it like really loud with the cars? Oh, yeah. You can't hear anything. You just hear, wow. I mean, your, your hearing is ob- obliterated. Um, I tell people when I am with them, um, I, thankfully my fiance is a NASCAR fan. I don't, he says he's, he's probably not as big of a fan as I am, but he, he also laughs and says few people are, um, but he does enjoy <laughs> it. And, uh, he, he went with me and, um, I, he, he went to his first race with me actually last October. Um, and, uh, <laughs> we, we left the track that night and we got in the car and before we pulled away, I turned and I looked at him and I said, okay, be honest. Do you want to come back? And he went, oh yeah. And I was like, all right. So, but yes, it is, it is very loud. Um, once cars are on track, I typically will put on my headset um, and a scanner. So you have this device that allows you, if you're at the track, to listen to all of the driver audio communications. So all of the communications between the drivers and their spotters and their pit crews. A spotter, for anyone who does not know, is a person who sits on the roof of the racetrack, so very high up. And they watch their particular car and are talking with their driver and communicating with the driver. And I kind of equate it to they're almost kind of like a guide dog um, because they're part of their job is to watch and to let you know, you know, what's going on around you. So I, that's how I sort of think of spotters. Um, they are a role that I feel is often underappreciated, just like the pit crews, um, but they are so integral to the functioning of you know, NASCAR as a whole. I think a lot of times the drivers are what is seen most often, um, but there are so many other parts and pieces that go into making NASCAR what it is. Everything from you know, the person driving the race cars to the track, um, you know, in the big 18 wheelers that are going across the country, wherever, you know, to whichever racetrack they're racing at that weekend, um, to the people at the shop who are putting the race cars together, um, to the receptionist who's, you know, running the buildings where the race shops are. Um, you know, there's just, there's so many people who don't get um, kind of that limelight um, exposure. And I, I just, I think that all of them are, no one is any more or less important than anyone else, um, because they all make NASCAR what it is. Well, so if anyone in, in the quote unquote audience has a comment, a question or whatever, you can raise your hand and Marianne can 
call on you. And while y'all are doing that, so Colby, you mentioned about the smell at the rate. I, I heard you say that in the video as well. Um, I assume it's it's almost like rubber burning kind of smell, or is is that? It's hard to describe if you haven't been there, but yes, you do smell the rubber that is being laid down. You also smell um, the metal. There's a lot of you know metal tools, and oh, you can smell yeah. the heat um, if it's really hot, which it normally is. You know, especially right now in the summer, kind of. At racetracks, um, you can smell the fuel. There's glue that uh, holds the lug nuts on the tires um, in two of the lower series. The highest level at NASCAR, um, they are only using a single lug nut. So there's um, not as much glue that you would smell um, if, it, if you're there for a cup race now. Um but and there's so many sounds. Um, it's it's a cacophony at times, particularly when there are live pit stops going on. So when the car comes in for a pit stop, you have a lot of people moving around the car in different directions, doing different jobs, and they're trying to get all of this stuff done in a very chaotically in under 10 seconds. So you have people carrying tires, changing the tires. You've got tires, the old tires are being rolled to somebody who better catch it. And if they don't catch it, then they get a, the team gets, race team gets a penalty um, for an uncontrolled tire. You also have, um, you know, people, like I said, changing the tires. You have people carrying the tires. You have someone fueling the car. Um, handing the can over the wall to the person who is fueling the car. So there's a, there's so much that goes on um, that happens in such a short amount of time. But there's plenty to smell, plenty to listen to. Um, and then if you get to go on the racetrack, um, like I did, I actually got to walk on the racetrack and I got to feel the term you typically hear is called the banking, which is the slope or grade of the turns um, and how steep it is. You, you can't walk up it. Um, it is so steep. And Oof. then, wow. of course, being in the car, um, you know, you, it, you can also feel um, kind of the angle or steepness of uh, those turns as well. And every racetrack has a different grade um, of degree of banking, um, as it were. So, you know, they can be anything from not really super steep to, oh my gosh, this is so steep, I can't, you know, I couldn't walk up it. Mm. So do we have any hands? Yeah, you race? do. You have four uh, hands. We have Pat Hansen first. All right, Pat. You... Oh, my, my, this is my cup of tea. I'll tell you that, <laughs> <laughs> but no, Colby, you, you, you were, uh, you were saying some really uh, interesting things myself. Um, my, uh, my dad actually, um, pitted for, I think it was Ernie Sterling several years ago. Ernie Irving uh, or Sterling Marlin? Cause those, those were two different drivers. Uh, his his first name was Ernie. Okay, it might have been Ernie Irvin. Was it kind of back Probably. in the nineties? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He raced at PIR. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um. 
Yeah, my dad actually uh, pitted for him or helped him. He was in the pits um, and actually got a chance to uh, take it out on the track and after the race and run it, run it for a while. But yeah, I'm a big, uh, big race car fan. I watch it whenever I can. (laughs) Wish I could get behind the wheel of one of those things. (laughs) I'm telling you, that's a, that, or even just, just be with them like you were, you know, have a chance to ride in one. (laughs) Yeah, it is. It is incredibly, I mean, you're going fast and just, the different kind of angles that your body is at it's something to experience uh, well I'm not sure. not only that but you get the pressure when you have the when you go into the turns you'll you'll feel that pressure oh yeah the g forces are very the g forces yeah the g forces yeah that's you are held in place by gravity literally yeah the g forces are just like oh my but yeah <laughs> All right. Gregory has his hand raised. Okay, Gregory. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Colby, you've got what, uh, of all of us that love racing, you've got the fever. (laughs) I do. I got the bug. Um, when I was 16 and 17, I raced a, a novice dirt, dirt series on dirt. Oh, cool. And I was diagnosed with RP when I was 18, so I couldn't race anymore. But oh, I God. urge I urge you to go to, uh, uh, it's called Eldora Speedway. Have you heard of Eldora? I have. You know, I've not been to a dirt race. It's something I think I would like to experience maybe once and just kind of see. You uh, would love, you would be hooked. I yeah, hope. I think I would. I think I would. You know, the cars that I had was probably less than 200 horsepower. Those cars now have probably over 900 horsepower. Oh my gosh. And when you, you know, you go through the corner and you feel that slide, the G forces, you'll love it. You'll love it. You'll hold on for dear life, but you will love it. <laughs> I I would I would absolutely love it. That's amazing. Good. All right. Uh, thank you. Thank, thank you. you. <laughs> Pam has her hand raised. Pam Coffee. Hello, Pam. Yes. My my apologies that I'm pretty ignorant when it comes to NASCAR, but I found it interesting because I did hear a couple of the videos and I'm going to go back and listen, revisit them, all four of them. Um, I'm assuming that a race car looks not very much like your typical, uh, your typical family sedan, so to speak. Correct. I remember, I remember hearing you say you had to crawl, had to enter the car through the window and I thought wait a minute now I'm not sure I could squeeze through a car window I'm a (laughs) a good sized gal Um, and uh, and what I'm wondering is does the driver have to enter through the window as well because yes a lot of them are guys and they're pretty they're probably pretty big 
No, I mean, it, it, you know, it, it it varies um, as far as Mm -hmm. their stature and their height, but yes, they climb through the window uh, as well. Wow. Oh, and do they, do the race cars, do, are they diesel fuel or is it regular gasoline or some mixture Uh, of the above? I think it's an ethanol based. Okay. Fuel. Um, I Got do know it. that um, it has a very uh, kind of sharp um, yeah. odor to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it doesn't. It it still kind of smells like gasoline, but it smells. It also smells a little bit different as well. Uh-huh. Um, the fuel cans go into the bottom. Um, it's at the bottom of the fuel can. So um, there's kind of a round hole at the bottom, and then you're you're holding it at the bottom and it's kind of towering above your head. Um, and they weigh about a hundred pounds when they are, uh, probably more so than that when they are, are filled with fuel. Um, but they go into, I was surprised that they went into the bottom of the race car. Oh, wow. Um, So yeah, there, there was a, that was surprising to me. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Thanks. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Pam. Uh, Tori has her hand raised. Hello, Tori. My gracious. It's hello. It's I guess Tuesday morning where you are. Yes, it is. Yeah. <laughs> well, good morning. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so I actually just have a comment. So I uh, wasn't really interested in NASCAR before, and then I heard Colby's stuff. And so I thought I'd check out the race on Friday. I thought, oh, I'll have it on for background noise while I do some reading. So I didn't do any reading. I did, however, catch all the races <laughs> this weekend. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> sounds, sounds, um, like, sounds like she's getting starting to get hooked on it. I love it. <laughs> yeah. So, so if I get behind on my reading, it's it's Colby's fault. <laughs> <laughs> but it was fun. I really enjoyed it. And so I, I don't know if I should thank you, Colby, but um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to anyway. So thanks, Colby. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you're uh, you're you're enjoying it. <laughs> okay. Nora's iPad. Nora has her hand raised. Hello, Nora. Hi. Good afternoon, everyone. From Phoenix, Arizona. Anyway, um, I haven't been much of a race car fan, but once in a while I like to watch a race car racing. Anyway, I think you did a great job, Kobe, and and I'm sorry I wasn't able to see the videos because I didn't have uh, enough cable to watch it from other things. Anyway, my question is, um, how come the racetracks are more like, two questions, how come the racetracks are kind of deep, uh, deep and great, and how come you weren't able to go up to the, into the tower? Uh, they wouldn't let me climb up into the tower. I think they were scared of me getting on the very rickety scaffolding, uh, which I was very ready to do, but we didn't get, I didn't get to do that. And then, yes, that uh, there's the grading is very steep when there um, is a turn, but it 
it can be less steep or more steep depending on which racetrack you're at. Right. How come they make it that way? Make it that way when you on the racetrack? Um, those are just how the tracks are designed. Oh, okay, that's good. Thank you. Yeah, any like um, uh, uh, bicycle racing on on track. They have the, the turns are like sloped and stuff too, or banked or whatever you want to call it. Yes. Uh, so it, I think it has some partly, I mean, for biking anyway, it has something to do with it, it actually, as weird as it sounds, makes it easier to go in and out of those turns than just sort of the flat surface. Going you have got a of lot of control. It, yeah. A body control, control. and <laughs> and control of like, you know, the steering and, and all that. Yeah. That's great. Thank you. And I'm enjoying the whole thing. That's great. Thank you. Thank you for Thanks, Nora. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. You're welcome. Tim has his hand raised. Oh, hello, Tim. Yeah. uh, I've been a NASCAR fan for, oh, gosh, as long as I can remember. And, uh, Probably way before you were born. <laughs> but, uh, I was just one. I was just wondering. Well, one comment was that uh, each week Jeff Burton uh, drives around the track with a celebrity in the passenger seat. So now that pretty much makes you a celebrity, Colby. <laughs> but uh, I was just wondering: Did you get to keep the fire suit? I did not. So um, it's funny story about the fire. I've gotten that question a lot. No, I, I wish because um, I would, you know, I would have hung it up and uh, kept it forever. But um, the fire suit is it's very thick. It's multi-layered and very thick. And I am very tiny. So um, when I put it on, they put it on me and I, you know, I got it on and I, I kind of stood up and went, Oh man, this is going to be really big. So we had to uh, use quite a few of the like giant crafting safety pins to um, to keep it pinned so that it was you know tight enough um, on me. Uh, but it uh, you definitely um, it gets very hot um, and very hot inside the race car, and it, the temperature was probably in the eighties maybe 70s 70s to 80s when I was at Richmond a few weeks ago um so it wasn't super hot um but it you I mean you definitely uh I I know why race car drivers have to you know rehydrate and stay hydrated up to and then after um up to during and after races um because you you definitely uh you you sweat for sure and it gets very hot inside the race car as well and then the track temperature as well as the temperature inside the race car is significantly hotter than whatever the ambient temperature is outside so if it's you know 100 degrees outside that track temperature Oof. and the temperature inside the car is going to be probably close to 150 Oof. so Wow. Oh. And any other hands, Marion? Um, Greg has his hand up again. 
Okay. And that's all for now. Greg, go ahead. Colby, uh, I got to know who is your favorite driver? <laughs> I don't have one. <laughs> um, uh-huh. I, I don't. I don't have a favorite. Um, I have drivers whom I don't like. Um, and uh-huh. when, I, when I say I don't like, I usually, I respect their prowess as race car drivers. Um, the thing that makes me not like them is typically their attitude off track um, or sometimes on track, but typically their attitude off track um, is kind of what makes me go, oh, I don't know that I'm a huge fan of yours. Um, but I do, I, I respect uh, their driving ability. And, um, you know, always when you hear of, of a crash or a wreck, I mean, yes, wrecks are exciting and crashes are exciting. And when, you know, and they, you know, the caution flag waves and everybody has to re rack and restart and start over from, you know, where they may have been leading or not leading or what have you, and kind of how all that strategy plays into the the various, the, the race at that particular point in time. But I, I never want anyone to, you know, to be hurt. And so your heart, my heart always kind of goes into my throat when I hear of, of the crash until they tell you on the radio or on television. But I typically will be listening on the radio that, you know, X driver is okay. Um, so I, though I think crashes are, uh, wrecks are exciting. You, uh, I never want any of the drivers to, to get hurt. All right. Any, yes. any, uh, Nifty okay. Na- Nancy has her hand raised. Nifty Nancy. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> hi, <clears throat> hi Colby. You have to know this is, Oh, you you started you started something in our household because <laughs> both Kathy and I are are big fans now. We're we like oh we have to hear another race. We're like addicted to hearing races now. It's like we can't wait for the weekend. We got to hear another one. So, <laughs> excuse me. So my question is: I've heard some of the drivers talk about a cool suit. Um. Is there something like that? I mean, that keeps them cool that they can wear underneath the the fire suit. I I think so. I don't know much about uh, that terminology. I do know that is something that they do wear, um, and I think it would it probably would go under the fire suit. Um, and then there's also a function in their helmet that is supposed to be cooling as well. Oh, nice. But, yeah, I have not. Now, I don't know how effective it is um, because it gets just so hot, um, yeah. you know, in the cars. But a cool, cool suit is something I have not gotten to see. Oh, wow. I know I probably have a billion other questions and I don't remember them now, but. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is so awesome. I just can't stop talking about it. I, I love, love it. it. So, thank you. <laughs> thank you so Thanks. much. Okay. Um, <clears throat> Pam has her hand raised. Hello, Pam yes, you, again. Yes, you talked about uh, importance of drivers staying hydrated. How do they do it? Because they're they're in the they have a helmet on for one thing. Uh, they are driving so fast that they are constantly turning, turning, turning. How on earth are they going to? Uh, 
I mean, it's one thing if you're on a road trip and you you have a cup of coffee in your or a cup of water or whatever in your cup holder. But it's another thing if you're going 150 miles an hour and you're. Oh, they're <laughs> no, they're the going road. more like 200. So or they're 200. going really fast. Okay. So they they have a drinking system that is mm-hmm. in um I don't know if it's in their helmet or in their suit. I'm not sure. I don't know how that works, but there is a drinking system. It might be in the car um, that allows them to take in, uh, you know, liquid. Um, and they'll yeah. also get, you know, they'll, the pit crew will hand them like a protein bar or something. And oh, that okay. can be eaten um, like when, so they're not constantly turning. There are points where they're going straight um, and then they go mm-hmm. into a turn and then they'll go, yeah. usually go into another turn and then they'll be on another kind of straightaway. Um, depends on the racetrack as to how long those straightaways are. But when they're when you hear the term under caution, the speed of the cars slows down. So they will uh-huh. have probably more time then to. Um, you know, eat or drink. Um, And then if it, you know, if there's a rain delay and all car activity on track stops, you know, they can always grab something. Um, I know one of the questions people often wonder about is, you know, how, if they have to, if they absolutely have to relieve themselves, Uh, (laughs) you know, how, how does that work? And everything that I have been told is they just sometimes if, if they have to go, they go. Um, so, uh, that is a question I've heard answered usually the same, um, when it's asked, uh, the mm-hmm. driver's answers are typically, uh, the same. Um, so yeah, uh, they say, you know, the guys back at the shop don't like it, but when, you know, when an emergency happens, an emergency happens is typically. Oh, right. yes. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you. Anthony has his hand raised. Oh, hey, Anthony. Well, hey, I wanted to be respectful and make sure that everybody, you know, in the room got a chance to ask their question. Mine is a little, I guess you could say, NASCAR adjacent, Colby. I'm wondering, now that you've, you know, experienced, you know, high speed, um, with all of the flights that are going into space, Bezos and, and the other companies, would you go into space? Ooh, you know, I'm not, I'm not into space. It's something I just haven't really had an interest in. Um, but I think it would be really cool to feel kind of how fast uh, all of that occurs. So I would, I would say, yeah, I would, I'd be up for it. I'm feeling a new GoFundMe at some point, or uh, <laughs> an extension of a of an auction that we run, or something. <laughs> I think we, I think we'll leave all of that to for money for ACB. Thanks, <laughs> Anthony. Nancy has her hand raised. Okay. Go ahead, Nancy. Okay, sometimes at the end of stage, at the end of a stage, stage one or, or two or whatever, they'll, I'll hear the radio announcer um, saying, oh, it's lap 125 and so forth. And then there won't 
sound like there's any race activity going on. It's supposed to be between a stage and whatever. And then you'll say, oh, yes, no, we're at lap 128. And I'll be like, wait a minute. I thought everything was stopped. How are they still counting laps? The laps are still being counted because they're under caution. So this cars are still moving and still going. They're just going at a slower rate of speed. So the activity hasn't fully stopped. The only time the activity is fully stopped is when you hear them use the term red flag. Ah, okay. Ah, okay. I didn't realize they were still Yeah, they're still moving. They're just moving at a slower pace. And I don't think you can hear them. You know, you can, you can not on the radio, probably not as well, not as, not as clearly, but you, it depends on if they're, if they're talking to someone in the turns on the radio, you'll, you can still hear the cars, but when there's a caution, they tip, you know, it just depends on what's going on. Yeah. But they are, the cars are still moving. Okay. So that's how that works. Awesome. Yeah. All right. (laughs) I just had one other question, but I will wait and let somebody else. Thank you. <laughs> Gregory has his hand raised. <clears throat> Excuse me, Gregory. Okay, Greg. Yeah, I just wanted to uh, comment about the uh, cool suit. I know the cool suit has tubes running through it or liquid. That's what cools the uh, the driver down. It, it, it's not perfect, but it, in a hot car, it helps. And I know some drivers take uh, open up their suit during a pit stop if it's real hot. They'll throw a bag of ice in, uh, on on their torso down in there to help cool them. So they find ways to cool themselves off. And then I guess the cool suit is under the fire suit. I would think. Yes. Yes. Okay. It, it probably in, yeah inside. Okay. And uh, it, it, there's a box that it runs through that cools the liquid down. Oh, um, I don't remember the name of it. But yeah, that's how it works. Very cool. <clears throat> Tori has her hand raised. Hello, Tori. Hello. So I wanted to comment about the uh, drinking thing. So I know that um, astronauts have this thing. It's a kind of like a straw type valve thing in their helmets. So I imagine it would be something similar that the that the drivers would have, to, so they could drink without having to remove anything. That could be. So, just for people wondering about that, I would imagine it would be something like that. Um, it's kind of positioned so that they just have to turn their head and they can access it, kind of thing. The hands-free yeah. approach. Yeah. Just a thought. That's pretty likely. All right. Any any other? No, ma'am. Okay. So, um, we've got a few minutes. Um, if anybody else thinks of anything real quick, I know Nancy mentioned she had another question. So, feel free, Nancy, to raise your hand and unmute and ask your question. I had one, but it somehow got away. Oh, no. <laughs> She's got her hand. That. Nancy, go ahead. Okay, go ahead, Nancy. So, if you're at the track, um, if you're at the track listening to all these loud engines and all the other things, how in the world do you hear what's going on on the scanner? And 
do you get to keep yours? Do you get a stamp that you can keep always? Or get a new one every time you go to a new race? So you can you can buy a scanner. They don't work if you're not at a racetrack. Um, but right. you can buy them if you go to a lot of races. It would be worth it to, to buy one and have your own. Um, I typically rent one ahead of time um, from the primary company that you rent from. And right. then um, when you're at the track, the headset that, headsets that come with the scanner when you rent it are really giant and they go over your ears and you know just completely cover your ears. So it's still loud but it makes it so that you can hear the audio from the scanner. And then I typically will turn up the volume on the headset and the scanner um, so that I can, you know, really hone in on the radio broadcast. Oh, that's cool. Oh, I hope to go someday. <laughs> Archer could be finding somebody to go with. I mean, because I don't know any around here that's cited that, I mean, I'm not just going to take off and, yeah, show up at the racetrack. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the, uh, there's, you know, if you could find a, a race in your area, it kind of just would depend on where the NASCAR circuit was, you know, on any given weekend. But I'm sure yeah. there are track officials that would uh, would be happy to, to help. Well, that'd be, that'd be so cool. All right. Thank you, Colby. It's Thanks. Cool. Anthony has his hand raised. Okay, Anthony. All right. So, you know, obviously we have some amazing tracks here in America, but, um, you know, the Germans have some great tracks. There's some great tracks in France and some great tracks in South America. Um, is there anywhere in the world that, you know, you have thought about that you'd love to experience a race at? Um, not not internationally, no. Um, NASCAR is primarily in America, so I want to go to any and every NASCAR track. Um, that's on my bucket <laughs> list. And uh, I've been to three out of, you know, uh, 25 maybe that, that are on the circuit. Um, but I am not into F like Formula One um, or um, I do follow IndyCar. Uh, a little bit like kind of casually um but I've just never I think if I had somebody to explain Formula One to me and kind of really break it down and make it make sense um I would probably be more of a follower of Formula One but I NASCAR is my primary uh primarily what I I mean that's that's my my go-to um and then I do keep up with IndyCar somewhat Nora has her hand raised. Go ahead, Nora. Hi. Um, I have another question about the track. Uh, not track, but like, you know, the people that are on the on the grandstand. Do they have to wear? Do they need to wear headsets also, or do they listen to the announcer by regular way of just listening? No, so you would need a headset to be able to hear when a race is going on. Um, there is an announcer that is speaking over the PA system, but you cannot hear what they are saying um, unless, you know, the cars, there's no activity going on. Oh, okay. So it's, it's I mean, people who can see, you know, they can look up at the scoreboard and see who's leading and, and can obviously see everything that's occurring 
on the racetrack as it's happening. Um, but, you know, I always tell anybody who's going to a race, get a scanner. You, you, I promise, you know, you won't regret it. Great. Great. Thank you. Um, Donna, it's 7.51. Okay. All right. Thank you. I, I had just checked too, but thank you. Pat, Pat has his hand raised. Go ahead, Pat. Okay. One other question that uh, since we were talking about the visual aspect, what, what would it cost to, or, or is there, has NASCAR ever thought about um, having someone that is actually physically saying, okay, um, car 35, Ernie Sterling, just as an example, is in turn five. Um, he is ahead of maybe uh, car six or something like that. Is there something like that so that a person with, a, with no vision can actually know what is going on throughout the track? Um, the radio. I mean, they Besides, are the closest, they're the I closest mean, thing to, it, to that. Is that basically more of a descriptive or is it? Oh, the radio is very descriptive. Okay. Extremely descriptive. Yeah. Very, very. Descriptive. That's what I, that's kind of what I was asking. That's it. Thank yes. You. Yes. The radio is, is very descriptive, but no, there, there is not anyone like providing, you know, live audio description. There would be no way for one person to take that on. That's why there's such a huge team of radio commentators because not everybody can see everything that's happening at once. So the radio commentators are positioned at different points throughout the track. Um, and some of them, particularly if they're in the pits, are moving back and forth and walking up and down a lot to be able to describe what's happening as it's occurring. Perfect. Thank you. Sure. And Anthony has his hand raised. Okay, Anthony. I'm actually, I, I found this this whole discussion very fascinating. So, you know, on the rare occurrences where there are, you know, mishaps and and crashes and things what how much detail do they actually give to you through you know and like you said there's different perspectives from the different folks that are at different stages or places around the track but how much detail do they actually give you to mishaps oh they give you as much detail as they can um you know, sometimes if the crash occurs right where a turn announcer is standing in the turn, they'll feel it, the impact, you know, vibrate the wall and wherever it is that they are standing on. Um, so they they give you uh, as much detail as they can from, you know, depending on where the crash has occurred. Do you from your experience, do you do you feel like you know, you're on par with, with sighted folks based upon what you're getting through the headsets? Absolutely. I feel like sometimes I'm even a, a, a lap ahead. Nice. Thank you. Oh. <laughs> you're so inspiring we're, uh, some of us to get out there and go to a NASCAR race. <laughs> that's it. Go and go experience it. You'll, you won't regret it. I, I know I certainly have not. I uh, will have Nancy ask her or make her last comment. And then I've got one quick question and then we need to wrap up. So right. Nancy, go for it. 
Okay, my question is, how expensive is it to go to a race? And even like a race, uh, just a single race and like a race weekend? It varies. Um, so I, I wouldn't venture to guess. It depends on if you want to sit in the grandstands versus being in the pits. Um, obviously, if you're in the pits, that's going to be much more expensive. Yeah. But it just, it varies track to track. Um, it's, it just, you know, it, it, it cost, uh, cost varies for sure. Yeah. But I mean, is it like hundreds of dollars or thousands of dollars or, or, um, I would say if you're going to be in the grandstands for like a cup race is going to be more expensive than trucks or Xfinity, which are yeah. through three different series in NASCAR, um, for anyone who may not be familiar. Um, so it, it varies. Um, I wouldn't say thousands. I would probably say if you're going to be in the pits, it's probably going to be, you know, maybe several hundred. Um, but I'd say less than a hundred if you want to sit in the grandstands. Wow. Okay. All right. Thank you. <laughs> okay. So quickly. Um, so when you were riding in that car and it was going fast, were you scared or, or you were just so no, I was not scared. I was so into everything that was happening. It was, it was amazing. Um, wow. Jeff Burton, right before he said, okay, I don't want to scare you. This is supposed to be fun. And I said, you're not going to scare me. Go fast. So uh, <laughs> I was ready because, you know, he, I knew he knew what he was doing. So right. I, I had right. no reason to really be, you know, to be scared. Um, but uh, he did say, he couldn't go as fast as he wanted to because the car wasn't set up for it. So he said, I want to go faster, but you know, we might break something. So we didn't, <laughs> we didn't get to go. And I don't know how fast we were actually going. I, I was so engrossed, I think in taking everything in, I did not, I forgot to ask, you know, Hey, how fast were we going on those straightaways? But one thing to remember is that when you're in the turns, you have to decelerate and then you accelerate again when you're back on these straightaways. So there's a lot of changing in speed as you're going, you know, a lap around the track. So, so it's not constant. Yeah. Wow. One last question real quick. Is there a set number of, of workers in the pit crew? I mean, does everybody have like the same number of workers or, or there are every- five pit crew members per per, crew. per- Per driver or per, yes, per driver. T- like team or whatever? No, per driver. Oh, Each wow. driver has their own pit crew. Wow. Okay. Well, Colby, I really thank you for taking the time to come and join us. I thank everyone sure. who, who came and and the good questions and comments. And I uh, it's it's just amazing that people have gotten hooked on nascar uh, <laughs> through your videos and <laughs> i love it yeah uh so um i i just want to let people know that our mountain state council of the blind convention is at the end of september september 30th october 1st um and ironically our theme is zooming ahead and not only are we using Zoom because it's totally virtual, but our we we kind of took it from the angle of like moving fast and moving fast into the future. And um, so anyway, our um, sponsor levels kind of reflect that. Uh, so you'll soon be seeing on the ACB list of how you can register and, and join us. And again, Colby, thank you. Mary Ann, thank You're you. Uh, Anthony, thank you. 
for helping us. Yeah. uh, And everyone else, thank you for joining us. And we'll be back in October, October 10th. And I don't know what the topic is yet. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) It'll be great. Great to be here, guys. Yeah. Thank you all for joining us. (laughs) And everybody have a good rest of the evening.